Hello and welcome to The Shakedown, an F1 and motorsports learning podcast. My name's Ellie and along with Moni and Hannah, we are here to learn about F1 and hopefully many other motorsports series too. This is our first episode, F101, covering some of the basics of F1, which we recorded just after the Azerbaijan Grand Prix in Baku and before the Miami Grand Prix. If you've got any questions or want to get in touch, you can find us on Instagram at PrettyGirlF1Club and on Twitter at PGF1C, or you can follow us on TikTok at PGF1C. But for now, enjoy listening, and we're excited for you to learn alongside us. So how are you going to start this? Hey everyone, welcome to The Shakedown, it's a new podcast where we're going to learn about all of the different motorsport series. I'm Hannah. I'm Ellie. Oh, I'm Monica. We're all here. (laughs) True. Monica, Ellie, Hannah. Um, We are going to go through the different series in um, a multitude of episodes and kind of get to know the sport a little bit better. Some of us have been watching it longer than others, and we're just going to answer questions that each other have about every series that we can think of throughout our time on this podcast. Um, Down the line, we might have special guests. But right now, it's just going to be the three of us. Hope you're okay with that because, you know, we're super excited about this. So we hope you're excited about it too. Um, and yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's a, I think there's a lot of things for each of us that have kind of got us to this point where we want to do a podcast. We want to talk about this stuff. Um, but should we start by maybe each saying a little bit of how we got into the thing that brought us all together, which is F1? Sure. Yeah. Monica, why don't you go first? Okay. So I, I think I'm the newest fan to F1 between the three of us. I'm not 100% sure. So this is technically the current season 2023 is my first actual like full F1 season, even though we're only what four races in because I didn't really get into it until last June, maybe July-ish after I finished watching Drivers Survive like throughout. It's so, like I started it in 2021, but didn't finish it. And I got bored in the summer last year and started watching it. And yeah. So like, I, Do you know what I your did- first race was? technically silverstone last year but like i didn't watch the whole wow. thing but i think technically silverstone last year was my first world race and then like after that i just couldn't because of school and work i couldn't watch races so it was just like catching like highlights or like re-watching the results kind of thing so it's more it was more so me finding driver personalities outside of the racing that was like oh i want to watch this and like actually get into it and then like finding podcasts and stuff and then i'm sure. here now what a what a first race Right. Yeah. I mean, for those of you who maybe didn't remember or didn't watch Silverstone 2022, there was a crash on the first corner, like a huge crash, like red flag race. They reset it. Like it was, it was a, just a good first race. Well, maybe a good first race because everyone was fine, but what a first race. <laughs> right. Yeah. And honestly, Silverstone's always a good, good race. Yeah. So I feel like that was like a great first race for you. Mm-hmm. Um, Ellie, you want to go next? Yeah, I I think my first race also wildly was Spa 2021, um, which was a rain heavy, red flag heavy, well, just rain delayed race. Um, and I got into it because like my friends were into it, my husband was into it, and like so I was just watching it because it was around. I've got two little kids, they like the cars going zoom zoom. Um, and so everyone around me was kind of into it and then sort of watched sort of the tail end of 2021 season, um, which obviously reasonably convert controversial ending to the season. Um, so it, there was a lot of drama around it, but like I hadn't watched DTS. Um, I hadn't really engaged with it that much. And then sort of over the winter break of like 2021 to 22, um, I started engaging with a bit more online sort of stuff started popping up on my TikTok like yeah and just kind of really 
delved into it like the races started back up again last year obviously hugely different um because of the regulation changes at the start of 2022 and so yeah it was just an interesting way to get into it and then I think what probably solidified it for me was like content creators was like seeing stuff on online it was seeing stuff on um like social media and then I found like the tg1f uh community which is where we all met um and started to like really engage with other fans and that was probably what made the experience for me was like having the community side of it and being able to be like oh gosh this is more than just like I can watch a race for a few hours on a weekend plus the practice or whatever but actually being able to be like oh no like I can actually really get into this and this can be like I've I've never really done tons of like extracurriculars <laughs> but like I love the idea of like building a community around like a shared interest or a, or a like hobby or topic or something so um yeah that's kind of how I got into it I actually hadn't watched Drive to Survive until season five came out and then I binged watch season one to four in two weeks um just so I was like caught up on it and like I'd seen clips online I'd like you often get like cut clips of, of different bits um I think I'd seen Daniel Ricardo's every part of it somehow <laughs> captured online um but yeah like that's kind of my slightly less normal route maybe I think than the traditional drive to survive pipeline but yeah it's been fun it's been wild and now I literally have built a part of my personality around Formula One so here we are <laughs> I feel like everyone has a part of their personality once they get into Formula One or motorsports in general. It just becomes part of their personality. Genuinely, like it's now like I have a lot of people who are like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know you liked Formula One. And I'm like, you really haven't spent much time with me then because uh, talk about it a lot. I'm really sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That was my sister this weekend. Really? No, so I shared her TikTok that was all I'm the youngest between us. And it was like, oh, when you're like when your younger siblings form a bond and it's just like spewing facts about their new hyper first X-Men. And I shared it and my sister goes, so much F1. I'm like, yeah, I put that a lot. (laughs) And it's usually over weekends, which means it's a race weekend. And it's just like, here's all this. I just learned about this and you have no idea what's going on. (laughs) No. And all those people who thought I'd go quiet when there was three weeks with no Formula One. Sadly mistaken. <laughs> and you know, those three weeks brought us a podcast. So Hannah, what about you? How did you get into motorsport F1? So I just had to Google it because <laughs> I don't remember my first race. Um, it was all the way back in 2009. Um oh, a baby. Yes. yes. I was 10. Um, it was a friend in elementary school whose parent worked for one of the teams or worked with one of the teams through his company. Um, and I later learned that my aunt was also a aero engineer for another team. Um, wow. So it was kind of, it's kind of always been a part of my life, but kind yeah. of didn't realize how big a deal it was because these are people that I saw or talked to on a regular basis. I didn't, you know, it didn't have that new, like famous, feels right. right it was my everyday people right so, I saw these people every day and if I had to guess I would say maybe it was either Brazil or Suzuka because there was a recorded race that we watched together in his living room on this drop down screen sure. I have a very clear memory this is my Do first who was racing it was Lewis is the only person I have a clear memory of being in that race Right. And obviously that, you know, that means literally nothing. Um, <laughs> yep. It could be any point over the last 15 years. <laughs> Couldn't be any point. Um, and I kind of, after that, I kind of on and off followed it. 
um, just because I used to go to IndyCar and NASCAR every summer um, Mm -hmm. with my parents. And then come the pandemic, like I was in in it. I remember the 2016 season still gives me trauma. Um, I remember, you know, a bunch of those. When I went to university, I kind of just stopped because I wanted to focus on what I I want to put all my energy into what I want to do mm-hmm. um, for a living in my degree and doing all that stuff. And then around mid pandemic, I, um, well, not mid pandemic, I guess. Yeah. 2021. So not mid pandemic about the, about three fourths of the way um, when there wasn't any, anything on TV really um, formula one started popping up around my social media feeds again. And, you know, I started seeing things about, Lando and George and the and Charles and Max and stuff like that and I started you know seeing all that stuff and then I saw it started popping up on my news feeds and things like that so it kind of got me back into it so my first race back I do remember was Austria in 2021 Uh, nice um not a bad race that was for those who don't remember Lando's that was Lando's first front row start don't quote me on that I'll google it later um (laughs) I just remember being very excited that it was a new front row. Right. So that's why I watched it. Um, Not like I had anything better to do, um, but that's why I watched it. And it ended up being a really good race. Um, And it kind of just sucked me back in. You're right. It kind of just sucked me back in. And I've now obviously been knee deep in it. Um, I've been, I run a server for, um, everyone but it's called pretty girl f1 or pgf1c i run the tiktok i help with some of the other social medias as well um so yeah i'm kind of knee deep in it now and i guess you could say i've been watching the sport since 2009 but not really like seriously until like yeah i guess that like it's kind of like a very gray area when it comes to how long i've been watching f1 but you could yeah, say that i have doesn't... back yeah, and there's a part where I think one of the things that we all agree on is like it doesn't matter. Um, right. Like it's cool yeah. to be able to remember, and it's lovely to hear the stories. And I love hearing people's like journey to F one stories and stuff like that. But like it doesn't actually matter how long you've been a, f- a fan for. Like hundred percent. Obviously, like probably between the three of us, you have the most knowledge um, on F one and motorsports in general. Um, in part because you've been watching probably longer than both of us. But actually, like. I think there's something really nice about being able to be like, A, I don't know everything. B, how much I know is in no way proportional to how long I've been paying attention to this stuff for. Because some people do just soak stuff up like sponges. And like I think it's really exciting that we don't need to prove credentials of how long we've been fans for or like whether we can remember the race results or anything. Or like it's just exciting to be able to go, I like this. I like talking about it. I like sharing about it. I like learning about it. And we can all share that. And so we're all in the same space together, which I love. Um, also, I Googled it. And yes, Landon Norris started second in the Austrian Grand Prix in 2021. Lit. I remember stuff. <laughs> yeah, <that's that. laughs> I remember. Right. But yeah, so. But that's the point of us being here is we're here to learn. Doesn't matter, you know, how long we've been watching. And even me, who, like you said, sucks things up like a sponge. Um, I don't know everything. There's going to be multiple times in this podcast where I go, let me Google that and I'll get back mm-hmm. to you because and I'll be over here typing away because <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not going to know everything. Um, 
and I don't expect to know everything. No, but I love that even like when you watch like the F1 commentary, I mean, I get the Sky commentators um, when I watch and even they sometimes are like, you can tell they've had to go away and reach a, research a stat or come back to you on something like that. Like, and you know, we've said before that like every weekend there will be something that we could learn from. There will be something new. There will be something different, whether it's like, I don't know, hypothetically, marshals in the pit lane at the end of a race, whether it's the record number of red flags, whether it's like the most corners on a circuit, like all of those three have happened this year. Um, And so they're all like really great opportunities to be able to go, gosh, I doubt going in anyone would have told you this was something you needed to know. But look, a weekend brought it around. And so we've come to learn about it. So we're excited. We're excited to do this together. And we're excited to do this with anybody who... (laughs) Sides listen to us um and we can all learn more about f1 together and other motorsports yeah um i would say that we're probably going to do a question and answer format just so people are aware um because mm-hmm. we want you guys to learn with us um and we will be answering to the best of our knowledge we will be googling so kind of bear with us here because we want to give you the correct information as we want to learn the right information as well um but this is a safe occasionally space. No, I was going to say, occasionally we'll get people on who know more than all three of us. Absolutely. <laughs> and they can 100%. teach us stuff too, because, you know, the best people are ones who are willing to learn new things. Mm-hmm. Yep. So do we want to start with Formula One as our basis or do we want to? Yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. let's start with Formula One. So my first question to you both um, about Formula One, and we're just going to start basics, is how many teams are there and how many drivers are there? Because they're not the same thing. Okay. So just the basics. There are 10 teams for now and 20 drivers for now. And the reason I say for now is because the last I checked, and again, I will Google this, um, I believe in the FIA regulations or the rule book, if it were, you can have up to 26 drivers on the grid. Have there been instances where there have been more than 10 teams on the grid? That is, I want to say, oh God, early uh, early 2010s, there was 22 drivers on the grid. Oh, wow, because there's 22 yeah. in F2. I know that's a side yeah. but like there's yes. 22 drives in F2. So and there's there 30 be... in F3. Right. So there clearly are instances across the like feeder series and stuff where um, you could have. So, so 10 teams. 10 teams, 20 drivers. 20 drivers. So two for each team. <laughs> Look at the math. The math is mathing. Um, okay. And Monica, I'm going to come to you on this one. Um okay. What does a race weekend typically look like? Let's leave sprint weekends for a second. But like if someone was new, they're watching F1, they're like, cool. So there's 20 dri- like twenty drivers, 10 teams. What do they do? Hey, you guys can correct me on this one, but it's usually Friday is like a free practice, right? Mm-hmm. And then is that the only thing that happens on Fridays? Pretty mm-hmm. much, unless yeah. it's a sprint weekend, but we'll get into that later. Yeah. And then Saturdays are FP2 qualifying. That sets the grid for... FP3, for- yeah. Yeah. And then that's the rate. And then from qualifying, it's how the starting the starting grid in terms of like first or 20th for the race, right? Exactly. Okay, cool. I, I understood that. And then sprint records got thrown into it. And when I find out, I'm like, what is more? But that's a different, that's a different question. Just when you think you get something, they change it. Um, okay, so the free practices, they get to like run around as much as they want. Like they're testing different setups. They're testing different like modes on the car. They've got their like short run so on qual- in qualifying they'll have like a lap um and they'll be testing that i think in fp2 right so um, the whereas way, fp3 right so the way that or the, i should say the reason we have uh, practice sessions which are in contention right now um which i think is important to talk about um the reason we have practice sessions is because f1 
and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe motorsports in general is one of the only sports where you cannot practice in condition without supervision of your government body. Yeah, it definitely didn't used to be like that. They used to be able to do like a lot more testing. Like they could right. do like like bits on like any most of the European circuits. I think they did like loads of different testing outside of race weekends. But now you, I think you're right that apart from testing at the start of the year, the only time they can go in the current spec car physically rather than on like a simulator is in the practice sessions or on a on a race weekend. So and that's where we get our name is the one time where they can be learning and testing without supervision, which is called the shakedown at the very beginning of the season. Exactly. So that's where we get our name um, because we're testing and learning different theories and we're going to go through every motorsport series and test what we know um, as we go. Right, question. So spec is like the type of car, right? So like F1 is a spec and then f2 is a different one nascar indeed car right or is it so spec series spec series are hmm. f2 and f3 the car is exactly the same the motor is the same okay skill series well no i guess it's not skill series what what's it called i don't remember the name right now i'll google it later but there's a different name for it because i know i should know this <laughs> but there's a different name for it um constructor series constructor series are where the cars are different okay and Indy, I know this is a total side note. IndyCar obviously has two constructors, Chevrolet mm-hmm. and Honda. That still counts as a constructor series because it's not exactly the same. I yes. We'll I think we'll have to Google that. I'm not. We'll cover that in the IndyCar sure. session. On yeah. our IndyCar well, episode, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with that. It was just yeah. a thought I had. Um, okay, so back to F1 weekends. Hannah, talk us through qualifying. So if someone turns on Saturday afternoon, typically around like 3 p.m. UK time, I don't know what time you guys have it in, in America, but I... really depends on the very day. Very early morning sometimes. <laughs> um, but, you know, your typical qualifying session, you turn on, like it's just starting. There's theoretically, aside of red, from red flags, an hour. What can people expect from that qualifying session and what does it mean for a race weekend? So qualifying is split into three sections um, and each session you start with all 20 drivers i want to say the first the first uh session or q1 is 18 minutes sounds about right maybe 20 maybe 20 i feel like it's a it's i feel like they're like random numbers they feel like random numbers I mean, the, I feel like 18 the spring minutes qualifying ones were really random but yes i feel like you might also be right but yeah anyway, um, q1 q1 the five slowest drivers get knocked out that's their starting position. So P16 through P20 are chosen by the drivers who land in those set positions at the end of Q1. Q2 is the people, the drivers who made it out of the bottom five. So P1 through P15. At the end of 12 minutes, we lose another five 18, 15, 12. 18, 15, 12? Is 18, 15, 12? Okay. Thank you. So they redo a lap every single session. Yes. Yep. It's a reset, a new time every single session. Okay. Um, as far as we know right now, there are no tire requirements in normal qualifying. They were going to try it, but I think they nixed that idea. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think they might be doing it in Imola in two weeks. That was the first time they were thinking of doing it. I haven't seen as to whether they've scrapped that idea yet, but I know that if they were going to, the first time would be Imola. Okay. So We shall see. TBC. Yeah, right. So 15 minutes. Q2, bottom five get knocked out. That sets 11 through 15. Mm-hmm. Then the last one, Q3, is a 10, 12-minute knockout. Excuse me. 
12 minute knockout, it sets the grid for the top 10 and pole position. Pole position is the first person on the grid P1. Okay. So that person gets something called the pole award, which looks like a Pirelli tire. They get to sign it. And so does the person who's usually a celebrity who presents it to them as well. So it's something that they get to keep um, because trophies don't normally stay at home once they're won, surprisingly. Um, They go back to the factories. So this pole position award, as far as I'm aware, they get to keep them, um, which is something that's kind of nice. I mean, it must be, I, I don't know. I like, I'm not saying it's not nice, but I'm saying, you know, if someone gave me a choice, right? This is, maybe this is just me. I have a choice between I can keep a tire or I can keep a trophy. Like, I'm not being savage, but I know which one I'm picking. <laughs> don't mean, where do you put all your tires? Like, where do you think Lewis Hamilton stores all those tires? Do you think he uses them on his cars? Do you think he has a tire shelf? Do you think he has like a bed made of tires? Because like, there comes a point where like, <laughs> You got a lot of tires. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Like, trophies, is, trophies is a bit easier to display. I feel like someone walks into the room and they don't automatically know this about F1 that is like, this means you've got a lot of pole positions. Like, <laughs> do like a tire room. Like a tire room. The image of Lewis on a tire bed, a Pirelli tire bed. I have an image of like a basement and he it's just like a, a ball pit. Do you, ha- do you yeah. have ball pits? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it's like a, but it's like, a, it's like a tire ball pit. And he's like... Um, for Moscow to use them they look like soft tires they look like the the, the red uh thing one um oh we'll we'll talk tires in a second (laughs) tire chat what a a joy um but yeah I am a bit like of the ones that you have to keep (laughs) why is it a tire I feel like the reason it's a tire is because the soft tires is like the symbol of fast laps yeah and I and I get that I do like I'm, I do get why it's done I do just find it quite amusing but an intro oh well we can come on to this when we do talk trophies but obviously they've introduced medals in the last five races let's randomly include the last one of last year so that people do now get to keep something from the podium because like you're right that most of the trophies go to the constructor um so the the team so they're getting like first second and third place medals now yeah i introduced it like i think it was i think it was abu dhabi last year like it was really random that like it was the last race of last year rather than the first race of this year and they've got these little medals and yeah very bizarre okay so that's qualifying so qualifying sets the grid for sunday and if nothing well there are a few circumstances under which that was that that would change so do does one of you want to have a go at explaining park fermi rules i still don't know what that means and i know that was a big part of last week's race and i think that's the only reason why i kind of understood what some of it means but not really doesn't it isn't it just like they can't change the car like different setups of the car from like qualifying to the start of the race yeah that that's kind of yeah can it that's Um, a big part of it yes so park ferme means it's it's a French phrase that translates literally to closed park basics of entomology here. Love that. Um, and it traditionally refers to a secure area in at a circuit where the cars are checked over by scrutineers for legality and safety reasons, um, which is really important just so that they it's kind of like there are these cars meeting regulations check. So the idea is that once they check them, they shouldn't have to check them again. Mm. And do they check them every single race weekend? Like, is it legit or is it like, you know, when like <laughs> you have to have all of like your safety and compliance stuff at work in case somebody comes to check on you and realistically no one's coming to check on you, but you have to have it just in case they do come and check on you. Like, do they actually check the, the cars out every single weekend? 
I think they do. I mean, I don't quote me on that. I believe that they do because you hear about it every single weekend, whether it's, it might be random checks, but somebody gets checked every weekend. Um, I'm not going to say that everybody gets checked because I feel like that's, you know, we don't know for sure. We don't know for sure. However, it wouldn't make sense if they didn't at the same time, Mm -hmm. because you could be like, oh, I got checked last week and they're not going to check me again. Yeah, sure. So So I feel like they do check everybody every weekend. Yeah, it would make sense, wouldn't it? Like, like, you know, if I mm-hmm. be doing um, so under Park Fem rules, you can't change anything on a normal race weekend from the, from the, the end of qualifying, um, because obviously you can change stuff during the qualifying uh, session. Go from the end of qualifying to the start of the race on a Sunday. You can't change things to do with the setup, to do with like how the car is like. No. What is it then? So unless there is a, and there are some exceptions, i.e. a car gets crashed or, you know, something happens electrically that needs to be fixed so that the car mm-hmm. can run in the race. Um, modern F1 park family also refers to certain periods of time where during the Grand Prix weekend, the cars are in their garages and but are placed under the eye of a scrutineer um, and the team is restricted to work on it. So they cannot work on it. Yep. Okay. Um, they can't change anything with, about the car without permission. From And what happens the if they do? Because this is the thing that affects their starting grid is if, I think this is right, if people do change things on the car, um, it means that that car has to start from the pit lane rather than on the starting grid. Right. So, they, so it's not like a you cannot change anything, otherwise you're disqualified. It's just there's quite a big mm-hmm. penalty. There's a big penalty for when you do. now Because when you start in the pit lane, you have to wait until everybody else has gone past for you to go out. If that's, that's right, isn't it? You don't get to go out where you would have started. Right. You have to wait. So if you start in the pit lane, mm-hmm. you do not get to do a formation lap. And you do not get to take the lights. You have to wait until the last car. So was ever in, if it was one car in pit lane, whoever's in P19 to pass you or to pass the, the final line. Right. And then you um, can go out. So that's right. what would affect like your starting grid. So you could qualify first, but say like something happened to the car and they had to change it. You would still start in the pit lane. You wouldn't like start from the pit lane and be allowed out first. That's not fair. Um, you would start at the back of the grid, basically, but not. On the yeah, I think it's also important to kind of the what the differences that you're talking about is park ferme, which is that physical area, and then mm-hmm. park ferme conditions. And park ferme gotcha. conditions is what you're talking about between the between qualifying and racing, where there might not necessarily be in that physical area, but it's still in that condition where you cannot change anything on the car. Yep, makes sense. Okay, so assuming that no one has, you know fiddled with their car and everyone is starting in the grid order that we expect when it comes to a race we have a formation lap which is where they kind of all go around the grid like usually like a minute before the actual race starts um attempt to warm up their tires a little bit and then they all take their place on the starting grid now people who maybe are not that familiar with f1 or like starting to get into it will probably be aware of the phrase lights out and away we go what does that actually mean the physical the physical phrase like where it yeah, came so from no, well, no like uh, partly that but also like what starts a race people talk about checkered flags does that finish a race like you know if someone's going to watch a grand prix what are they what how many lights are they watching for like what do they need to know in terms of like when the lights actually go out at the start of the race 
Monica, you want to take this one? <laughs> wow. <sighs> okay. So uh, is it four or five lights? Five. five? Okay. And then if you hear my dogs, I apologize. But uh, so they all start with red. And once all five reds are, like once all five lights are red, they all go off at the same time. And that's what releases them right, right. for the start. Right. And there is no green light in a race. Which I found just... really confusing. Like when I, that's what I mean. It's like when I first watched, I was like, well, where's the green light? Green means go. That's <laughs> what Chase taught me on Paw Patrol. Green means go. Yeah. So like in other series, there will be, you know, there might be a green light depending on the series, but this series particular, there is no green light. It just goes out the same for their feeder series, F2 and F3. There is no green light. It just goes out. But it's on um, a weird timer delay, isn't it? So it's something between like right. naught and five seconds or something from that final red light. So that's where then like reaction times, you might have seen Formula One drivers doing these like astronaut style hitting the button tests to test their reaction time. And some of that is because you've got to be able to know when the lights all go out to be like. Right. So I learned this fact actually a couple races ago, maybe Australia. It is a randomized number generator between one and eight. One and eight. Okay, cool. One and eight. So it can be either super long mm-hmm. or That's really, a- really short. And so they have to be really good about making that reaction no matter what. Um, and you sometimes see it in the commentary, the don't you? It's just yeah. the button. And the person, I remember what their, what their position is. They just hit the button. And then all five, the lights go on normally. And then after all five are on, then that number number gets generated and then it waits that many seconds imagine but it's not human person. control it is not imagine having to be the person that pushes the button and like you forget for like a split second to push it when it needs to and it just makes it longer or like no but then it, it wouldn't you don't press the button to do the delay you press the button to start the five lights oh sequence. okay and right. so it's like it would just be it would like i get what you're saying but like, okay okay imagine, yeah, that makes way more one sense job to be like so one job and mess it up. yeah yeah exactly so that's kind of that was something that I learned that I found really interesting because I was like, okay, I always wondered like if because it always seemed shorter or longer to me. And throughout my entire time watching, I had never known that you know it was randomly generated. I knew that it felt longer sometimes than it longer than it right. others, but I wasn't sure. And that kind of confirmed it for me. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah. So then they have a race. Is there a set distance for a race? Obviously, there's a different number of laps depending on the circuit. I know somewhere like the Red Bull Ring, which is a shorter track, things like 2.7 miles, um, has a lot more laps going around it. Whereas somewhere a bit longer, like Silverstone, has probably nearer like 50. I think Austria uh, Austria is like 77 or something. Is that because there's a set distance or is it just dependent on the track? There is a set distance. Um, so to give you perspective, I think it's a 300 kilometer race that they have to run. Um, that sounds like a something I have close, somewhere. Something close here. to that, um, as close as they can get to that. The longest track on the calendar is Spa Francorchamps in Belgium. I apologize Spa if I butchered that. Yeah, no, it is. I loved it. Um, it's 44 laps. The okay. shortest track on the calendar is Monaco. That is 72 really? laps. I thought Red Bull Ring was shorter. I'm wrong. 72 laps is Monaco. Wow. So. Um, But each track has to equal up to 300 kilometers in race. Usually race is an hour and a half. So I think that's kind of like the distance that they're expecting to run. You know, given there's no red flags and safety cars, it should be about an hour, hour and a half. 
Okay, so you bought a wonderful point, a red flag, a safety car. What is the difference between, and let me go through them, a yellow flag, a red flag, a virtual safety car, and a safety car? Maybe I should do this in a different order, like yellow flag, virtual safety car, safe, full safety car, and red flag, because that's kind of the seriousness progression, I think. So let's start with like, <laughs> let's start with flags in like this, the basic flag conditions. I think we'll get into different, you know, what a black and orange flag is, you know, later on, a black yeah. and white check, you know, a black and white flag. Yeah, let's stick with our like main stick race with, Stick with the basics because you won't, hopefully you won't see a black and white flag or an orange and black flag, um, <laughs> but it does happen. Green flags, all conditions are good. Go. Go racing. Green means race your little heart out. Chase was right. Okay. Race your little heart out. Yellow flags is reduce your speed. Yellow flags can be contained to one section of the track, one sector. So if it says yellow flag, it's in sector one and two. There's an incident or debris. Slow down. You cannot be. It's I think there's a there's a percentage of throttle. Hang on, let me. Forty. Let me Google. Um, I think it's forty percent down. Forty percent yellow flag. Yeah. You may Google because I may be wrong, but I think it's 40 <laughs> in my all-knowing wisdom. I'm like, in my very new fandom, I real like, I equate yellow flags as to be like, oh, there's something to head. So like, you have to slow down in case whatever is happening, especially for, yeah. I guess, Baku because of like the tight turns. It was like yellows every other second because people having to like use a runoff. So yeah. So you bring up a good point. What's a blue flag? Um, A blue flag is... I think when somebody laps you and you need to move aside to let them pass, or maybe not someone lap, when someone laps you, but when someone needs to get past because they are going on a fast lap on qualifying or they're going faster than you or they are in the leading group and you are being lapped. Is that right? Yes. <gasps> so going, so according to planetf1.com, um, yellow flag is used to warn drivers and hazards on or close to the track, but meaning a, uh, the meaning actually differs depending on whether one or two yellow flags are waved. So I was going to, I was going to yeah, get into double wave flags. I was going to say there was something about double, double wave flags. Double yellow is more serious than a single right. yellow flag. Um, if it's a single yellow flag, then as described in the FIA sporting code, drivers should reduce your speed, do not overtake, and be prepared to change directions. <laughs> change direction? Like, I'm sorry. Now what, I, what, you want me well, to do like a straight the up only time, The only time I've ever heard of that is during spa when they go into the pit lane backwards because it's too yes, true. far to go back around. Wait, what? Um, yeah, so, so you didn't know the that? race, yeah. rather no. than going all the way round after the end of the lap, they basically make them turn around and go like in the wrong end of the pit lane because so, it's like it's way so too because, long. So Yeah, because spa is so long, doing the cool down lap would take too long and too much fuel. <laughs> yeah, they run out of fuel. They'll stop halfway around and then you've got another hole problem because then you need to like refuel them around the other side of the lap and everyone's like oh man that's so far away so yeah, yeah that's, that would be the end time they change direction but apart from that i don't understand in what racing conditions you would need to change direction who knows um i've never come across <laughs> oh, the FIA, that FIA. i've never come across that i guess it's you know one of those we're covering our butts just in case it happens um yeah. but i will say that something that you guys may not know is that refueling used to be a huge part yeah. of strategy they can't refuel now they must carry the load of fuel they need to complete the race so they most teams will only carry as much as they need to finish the race and they will not can you refuel if there's a red flag no 
because oh. I had this question when Australia happened and there were like three red flags and obviously there's then extra formation laps, extra safety laps um, and stuff like that. I was like, conceivably, could someone run out of fuel towards the end of the race because there were so many extra formation laps and stuff? I don't believe so. I say I don't believe so because most of the time they do not go back into the garage when there's a red flag, they sit in the pit lane. Oh, you don't believe so in terms of the refueling or you don't believe yeah. so that they could run out of fuel? I don't believe they, in terms of the refuel. Okay. Because the fuel pumps day. no longer leave the garage. Yeah. And Gosh, when they used them. to do fueling as part, I've seen some of the pit stops. Question, and, like, isn't that what happened stops. to Max's dad? Oh, yeah. It's yeah. sprayed everywhere and it caught on fire. The other one that's really famous is Felipe Massa in Singapore. When the mm. hose detached, it would not... It would not unlatch from the car, but it detached from its back hose and it dragged the pit, the pit crew with them. So it's just not a very safe thing. And that's why it's we not. attached okay. it. Okay. Okay. So, you know, we're all about safety. Like we mm-hmm. want safe, good racing. Um, but that did not seem like a very safe way. Particularly, you know, when it's a high pressure, high speed environment, like you're going to be looking like in the pit stops, like they've got it down to like under two seconds for a pit stop. Like, when you're putting that kind of pressure on people to add in something as dangerous as refueling, just doesn't feel like a good idea. No. Okay, so here's what they said in the sporting code. They said that they might change directions because there is a hazard wholly or partially blocking the track and or a marshal is working on or beside the track. Now, we, clearly I mean, we, we let's not get into marshals on tracks. <laughs> no, exactly. Clearly, we haven't followed that. Um, <laughs> Japan 2022. Japan 2022? Um, mm-hmm. Um, which was, I mean, last weekend, marshals and pit lanes. Yeah, not, not, not a fun time. Um, no, no. But the okay. other, the other thing about this is also that a driver is on a meaningful lap, meaning it counts towards the race. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, practice or qualifying. Yeah. It yeah, it counts towards the session basically. Yep. If it's yellow okay. flag, it's double wave yellow. That means you reduce your you basically reduce it more your speed. But you don't like so if it's in a race situation, you're still going around those laps. So say you're mm-hmm. on one lap and then you had to do five laps under a um yellow flag conditions, yep. you would still be adding race laps to the counter. Yes. Same with same with like you're saying like free practice and qualifying sessions. The timer there's so there's limited amounts of time don't change with yellow flags can you overtake in yellows during the race or no no that is so the race just like so so this is kind of hand in hand let's talk about virtual safety cars yeah virtual safety car is the same as a yellow flag essentially except for that is a whole lap blanketed whole lap so yellow flags can be isolated to sectors and stuff can't they but virtual safety car means the whole race is neutralized You'll hear them say that on the commentary. They'll be like, the whole race is neutralized because it's a virtual safety car. Um, and basically, it just means that we're not physically having a car come round and lead the lap. So if I understand right, the difference between a virtual safety car and a full safety car is a virtual safety car, everybody slows down the same amount. So if you were five seconds from someone at full speed, in theory, you would be five seconds from them at 40 minus 40 percent speed because you're all the same distance behind one another. on the other hand a safety car when that comes out that does what they like to they, they call it bunching up the field which basically does one of you want to explain what that means bunching up the field means that you it they can catch up essentially a safety car is a good time if there's a driver that's a lap down meaning that they mm-hmm. have they're they're on lap 43 when the leader is on lap 44 or they can mm-hmm. unlap themselves, which means they can go the full speed or the speed, a safe speed, I guess. 
not a full speed, safe speed, speed yeah. to catch back up to the back of the field. So they're no longer down a lap and they can finish the race with everyone else. Yeah. Um, so safety car is beneficial in some circumstances. If you're further back, you probably want a full safety car. Whereas if you're the leader, you want a virtual safety car because say you have like a 10 second gap to the person in second or third, you get to keep that under a virtual safety car. Whereas under a full safety car, you don't get to keep your distance between people. It makes it more interesting for a restart because you essentially get like a second go of it um what it can do um whereas virtual safety car typically nothing much changes when you get back to the restart other than some people are probably not in the race anymore not me finally getting the difference between no safety car and a virtual safety car with this conversation right now <laughs> you Good. know what that's what we're here to learn <laughs> you know what for. if we're doing our job right if you get it like we're really. doing it we're doing <laughs> it right. um, okay then what's a red flag so a red flag Again, I'm going to, because I want to get this right, I'm going to use planetf1.com. A red flag is shown to signal that the session has been suspended, meaning that no cars should be on the track. Um, the drivers must return to the pit lane, or they must significantly reduce their speed and return to the pit lane. Overtaking is strictly prohibited and also pointless because there will be a restart. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but they have so to go back to the pits. They do not stay on do, track. Yes, they do not stay and on track. They normally line up in the pit lane. And typically this is because there's been a crash. Yes. Or Would there be any other conditions for a red flag? Absolutely. Weather? Weather. Weather. Yeah. Um, spa 2021. Uh-huh. My first race. That's the name <laughs> where Orlando spa taking Spa 2021. <laughs> I, I, forget that was, I forgot that was your first race already. So you just watched the circus go. I watched the circus go round. I think it was I, what, can I tell you, my mom and I watched all four hours together. Oh. We just sat. We sat down. And I was like, it's going to happen. It's going to never happened that was, was me japan last year and then look what happened question so was it four hours just because they kept the lane the weather kept delaying it so there is a timer on how long a race can go that timer is four i guess four hours or it was four hours back then i think i thought it had three. to start i thought it had to start two hours after the official start time but from the first time they go out and do a lap it has to conclude three hours from then I think so. I think you're right. You're right. Yeah, you're right. Because of Monaco last year. Mm-hmm. So it yeah, can't start. So say, right. say this, the start time is meant to be midday. It has to start by 2 p.m. And if it starts at like 1.59, it has to finish by 4.59, i.e. three hours from when they took their first lap. And obviously the goal is for everyone to go racing at some point. But I think this is where you get conversations about uh, different uh, countries having Grand Prix at certain times of year i.e. Japan in like rain season and like Canada there's been some of the same stuff spa there's definitely been some of the same stuff said where actually it's like why do we keep trying to do this in a season that is not made for this kind of rain um rain and racing don't mix that well um so yeah red flags could be down to weather or they could be down to crashes but if it's a fp1 or qualifying session the clock gets stopped um and so in theory could resume um, and if it's a race, the lap counter gets stopped. And we think they do a full grid restart or how many of the grid are left. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So then they go back to the grid, do a formation lap probably. Um, and it lights up and away we go again. <laughs> so yeah, that's so, kind of, that's, I feel like that's a good, like basic starting point for our listeners and for us. Um, but I think next time we'll talk about tires and things like that maybe tires and pit stops were the things i was gonna say would be good 
to touch on, um, as well as sort of a bit of a rough idea of the race calendar and a little touch on the delightful point system. Yes. Because obviously it's the competition and points need prizes and prizes are fun. So, you know, it's always good to know how you get to win things, um, as we will obviously all be winning at some point in our lives. Maybe. How about we end it with favorite team on the grid? Okay. Oh, go I first? don't know. Uh, I mean, I felt. Uh, I think my top two are Ferrari and Merck, which uh, I guess I'm proudly proud to be of the on uh, the uh, clown car that is Ferrari. I guess. <laughs> clown car me too i'll take that clown car and i don't know what i wouldn't say america is a clown car but it's a car going in a circle and i guess that's those are my top things right now do you have a driver that you like or drivers that you like yeah i want to say it's basic but i don't know i love lewis a lot and he's one i didn't know much about like i'm big into athletics i work in athletics and I'm sad how much I did not know about Lewis until I actually got into F1. So like Lewis, just for everything he does, like outside the track is really cool to me. And like mm-hmm. something I love about him and I'm in. Yeah. And then Charles, sweet little Charles is my other fave. So yeah, those two are probably my faves, which is probably why I love Ferrari and Merck. Yeah, that seems fair. What about you? Well, I'm in a complicated situation here, you see. Um, <laughs> so... Sebastian in his Red Bull era is kind of the reason I kept watching F1. Mm-hmm. So I love Red Bull. Come at me. Um, <laughs> you love who you love. People, people, people will, you know, say that, like, you know, that's, like, basic, um, which is totally fair. However, I also really, really love Ferrari just because they stick by their drivers most of the time. Most of the time. Not going to say all the time. Okay. <laughs> um, and then um Aston Martin keeps the roof over my head so I can't really say no to them <laughs> that seems fair yeah fair, valid yeah but I, I I don't really have like a favorite team mm-hmm. I will say that like I have like I just sorted I finally sorted out who my top three drivers are <gasps> that are active that, I, that are active okay. um important point to make yeah that's Max Charles and George oh interesting yes I don't I like know that. why. You don't have to know why. It's cool. Fair enough. I, it is funny you say about like liking Red Bull being basic because you know if this was two years ago, it wouldn't be. No, way. do you know what I mean? Like it, things change so quickly, and obviously they've been hugely dominant in the last two years. But like before then, it's like anybody who said they were a Mercedes fan was just really basic because they were the ones winning. Like you know, it's sport. It's fickle. Everything changes. Um, I honestly don't really have an answer to the question um because i loved daniel so much i mean i still do it's not past tense love um but he was always one of the drivers i supported most um just personality even without drive to survive i think he has a big personality on the weekends um but to be honest you could probably convince me to like most of them like i like supporting all of them i i do really like pierre i really do like alex albon i think he's just fantastic um and like i love to see like of the of the top of the front runners i'd love to see charles do well um but i i do just like all of them i like i'm i'm happy to see them succeed like obviously there are a few that i would put up there and a few that maybe put a bit further Absolutely. down but i do still like most of them team wise like 
I I kind of want to support Williams because I, I like to support the underdog <laughs> and particularly because they don't great. seem so underdoggy this year um I do also really like Valtteri um I have to say but so, so you know I kind of like to give my support to the places that I think don't get it as much <laughs> like there's plenty of people supporting Red Bull like there's no and like even like Mercedes and Ferrari like there's no shade to that but I like to be like oh you put the guys in the back I'll, I'll like your pictures I'll support you you're so cute um because I think you know it's easy to be at the front and know that you're getting loads of support it's harder to be at the back and still feel like people care maybe um, maybe that's why I picked Logan as my my rookie yeah because he just he gets so much shade and so much flack for his his parents background Mm -hmm. his background his parents background even the fact he's American (laughs) exactly and I'm I'm American am I proud of it debatable on the day (laughs) it depends on the day um (laughs) catch me on certain days and it's like no no not at all um I feel the same being British, to be fair. I think it's just <laughs> being fun, isn't it? No, but um, yeah. So I feel like that's why. Because I, I like supporting the people who are at the bottom, like at the back. Yeah. And I think, I think he's done really well, apart from like Benny in the wall in Q2 it, last week. Yeah. He he actually had a like a, a decent weekend. I was really happy to see it. Like, this is the thing. I don't want, I don't really have any that I want to do badly. Like, there's just people who I would prefer to do well than others. 100%. So, yeah. Cool. Well, it has been a great first episode. I feel like, I mean, Monica, you have actually learned the difference between a virtual safety car and a safety car. What a oh, win of an episode. <laughs> um, and we will be back soon um, with some more fun facts for you, some more information all about F1. We're definitely going to talk about the delightful tyre situation. Um, and yeah. Any other bits that we think are important for you to know in your journey through motorsports? Anything else either of you want to say? No. I hope you guys enjoyed and we'll see you next time. Bye. See you next time on The Shakedown. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you've got any questions on anything we discussed today, or there are topics you'd love to learn about with us in the future, then we would love to hear from you. You can get in touch on Instagram at prettygirlf1club and on Twitter at pgf1c or follow us on TikTok at pgf1c. See you soon.